Welcome to Womb Whispers, menstrual wisdom for everyday life. This is the podcast to follow if you want to radically trust your own body's cyclical wisdom, release trauma and internalized shame, and erode patriarchy from the inside out. I'm Lisa, and I'm on a mission to help you feel safe, happy, healthy, and holy in your body, and remember and reclaim the power and wisdom already stored in your bones. Hey, hello and welcome to another episode here on the podcast and I will be addressing the main cause of menopause-associated symptoms and how to alleviate them. And that is indeed a very autumn-y topic, which I like because here where I live in the Northern Hemisphere, it's autumn time, basically my favorite time of the year. And also, I'm coming to you from my inner autumn. I'm on my day 29 in my luteal phase, short before menstruation, a very um, truth-speaking kind of time. And also, when you look at the life cycle, then autumn would be very similar energetically to the perimenopause time, the perimenopause transition, which is this transition from your reproductive years into postmenopause, and I know that many have a really hard time moving through it they suffer from a lot of menopause associated symptoms and uh, the reason I call them menopause associated symptoms is um, I took that from Angela Council a lady from Australia who works with midlife women and uh, who I had over for a fireside chat about menopause a few years back I can link to that if you're interested and um, using this term or terminology really helps me stay aware that it's not menopause that is causing these symptoms because that makes it sound as if menopause is a disease and I know that even in the medical professional field it's portrayed almost like a disease the menopausal syndrome I've read the other day which is of course complete bullshit because it's a pivotal transition time in the life of a menstruating person. And um, even society has portrayed it as something horrible, a horrible experience that you have to suffer through and afterwards you're basically useless with all of like media not portraying uh, women in midlife or beyond so that they, they are kind of non-existent, invisible in the society. And it's luckily changing, but you know, it has this transition really has a bad reputation. And I want to shine a little light on one of the main reasons for these symptoms and whether for you that's sleeplessness or hot flashes or mood swings, vaginal dryness or even anxiety or depression and to show you some ways or give you some ideas how to address that so you have a more easeful transition. Because as I said, it's, it's, a really, it's the most pivotal transition in the life of a woman or a menstruating person, I believe. It's this time of the enchantress or the mage or the witch. It's this time of reclamation, of saying, no, I'm no longer following these quote-unquote rules that society sets for me, but I'm doing it differently the way I feel is good and true for me. And um, being the misfit and uh, yeah, really the witch or the mage, it's a chance to discover who you are now and who you want to be from now on. 
a time of sovereignty, of saying yes to the things that you really enjoy and even saying no to what you know, don't want to put up with any longer. And yeah, before I get into what disrupts this whole process, this um, main cause of the menopause-associated symptoms, I, uh, we first have to understand what's actually going on in perimenopause. Um, and I want to make this distinction, perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause. And so perimenopause is really this transition time. I will dive into what kind of transition happens on a physical level in a moment. But it's this time from when you maybe realize that something's a little off. And then the, the menstrual cycles, they get more infrequent and all of that. And menopause is actually just the point in time when you've had no bleed for 365 days. And afterwards, it's postmenopause. So perimenopause is really this whole transition, the whole transitional process. And menopause is just this point in time that you can only calculate in retrospect. And afterwards, it's postmenopause. And what happens in the body um, is actually really simple. It's a shift in communication pathways. So before, your brain had a direct line to your ovaries. So brain to ovaries, and it would tell um, which hormones to release so that the whole menstrual cycle could happen the way it happened. And in perimenopause, there is a shift happening so that there is no longer a, a direct line from the brain to the ovaries, but from the brain to the adrenals that sit on top of the kidneys. So your brain in this time is busy creating new neural pathways so that it no longer communicates with the ovaries, but it now starts communicating with the adrenals. And to me, it's totally understandable that because the brain is so busy doing all of this, there can be moments of brain fog. There can be symptoms that let us think of dementia. And I believe that all goes away after a while when the brain has created all these new neural pathways. And it's also to me understandable that the synapses might be firing differently and there may be mood swings and all of these things. And while they can be very disruptive to your life, I would love for you to develop a little bit of compassion for your brain and your body that is doing an amazing shift here and, and that it may need a little bit of time to find its groove with that. And this is just the physical layer. And as I said, it's quite simple from brain to ovaries to brain to adrenals. But um, of course, there are also it's also affecting you on an emotional, on a mental and even on an energetic spiritual level. And if you want to learn a little more about this, then uh, please sign up for my summit. It's completely free. It's called Happy, Healthy, Holy Menopause. And in my in the first video that you will find upon sign up, I go through all of these different layers and how the perimenopausal transition is affecting you on all of them. And now we know how this transition plays out on a physical level. I'm sorry to say, but the main disruptor of this process is stress. But before you mentally switch off now and say, yeah, yeah, Lisa, don't tell me about stress. Please hear me out because I'm aware it's not as easy as saying, oh, just reduce your stress and all will be fine. No, it's, it's quite simple. I believe on some level that's true and it's not as easy as that because there's a lot of different stressors and 
a lot of different levels of stress involved that cause disruptions in your system and subsequently menopause-associated symptoms. So as I shared, the adrenals take over the sex hormone production from the ovaries during this perimenopause transition so that in postmenopause, all your sex hormones are produced by the adrenals on top of the kidneys. And the adrenal glands are also the glands which produce your stress hormones, like cortisol. It has an important function in the body. Um, the thing is, the way our society is structured, we almost live like in a constant situation of stress, constantly on alert, in fight of, of flight. And so our adrenals are constantly busy producing stress hormones. And that's why they have a hard time, of course, taking over the sex hormone production as well. On top of that, the body is uh, primed for survival. So of course, the fight or flight, the stress response is more important to the body than your reproduction. So um, stress hormones are always of higher importance to the body than sex hormones. So that's one side of the story, that your adrenals are very busy producing stress hormones. The other side is that the stress hormone cortisol is made out of progesterone, which is one of your sex hormones. So in order to produce cortisol, your body will use up the progesterone it has. And progesterone is... Um, dominant in the second half of the menstrual cycle. It's the hormone that's warming, that's calming, it's anti-inflammatory, it's sleep-promoting, and it really calms us down. So before menopause, progesterone is produced when an egg is released from the follicle. So um, the leftovers of this follicle, they start producing progesterone. But now in this perimenopausal transition, you have less and less cycles, less and less ovulations, so less and less progesterone. And if you add now that stress hormones are made from the progesterone that's available and we take away even more of that calming, sleep-promoting hormone, then of course we are prone, more prone to experiencing all sorts of symptoms. Also because there is a disbalance between the estrogen and the progesterone levels. And I won't dive into it more deeply, so don't worry. But I trust that you get the gist of why it's important to look at the different stressors in your life, especially as you approach and go through perimenopause and beyond. Again, on the one hand, your body is busy producing stress hormones because there are so many stressors. And on the other hand, it's taking away the hormone that is calming the whole system down. And as I shared already, there are a lot of different stressors on a lot of different levels. So on the physical level, emotional level, the mental level and the energetic level. And all of them in the mix that's present in you and your life they all work together. That's why it's always important to look at your situation and there is no generalized approach when you want to try and alleviate your symptoms because there is a situation that's unique to you so you need a solution that's unique to you and you can do a lot to support yourself through this process. So on the physical um, level, stressors can be toxins. We live in a world that uses a lot of pesticides in any food that we eat, that uses antibiotics in meat, 
um, that has lots of toxins in our cleaning materials, in our hygiene products. Whatever we've got in our household, a lot of it contains a lot of toxins. Then if you do sports, especially cardio sports, that adds a layer of stress to your body because while sport can be good to let off steam, um, too much of it can also cause your body to, to be in a stress response. So uh, it's important to balance that with things like yoga or pilates to strengthen your core, to strengthen your muscles, strength training, and create a balance with lots of rest and restoration. Also, a stressor on the physical level is inflammation in the body. Chronic pain hints at there being inflammation in your body that can be addressed. Also, losing the cycle. So because the menstrual cycles, your cycles will become less and less frequent. And losing this rhythm that you've been accustomed to for so long can literally feel like you're losing it. Because this dependable rhythm is no longer there. And uh, it's important for me to say that you don't lose your cycle. It just changes. It becomes a different kind of cycle. And also there will be a phase in perimenopause where everything is topsy-turvy and upside down. And that, that can cause a lot of stress on many different levels. And then there are, of course, emotional stressors like unprocessed emotions or maybe trauma and traumatic events that have happened in the past and that you didn't take time to process because it was too much for your system, which is totally okay. But when you think of it, your brain and your body are right now busy transitioning and so you've got less energy to keep everything stuffed down. So it comes up and... It's actually a chance for you to look at it, to process and to release so that you don't carry the burden of it into the next half of your life. I know it's not easy and it can be painful and also it can be very rewarding. And what I see coming up especially is the emotion of rage. Because rage, especially in women and people socialized as women in this society, we are not taught to release our anger and so all this built up anger is has turned into rage and for example the way we've been treated and I've heard somewhere that depression is actually suppressed rage and I wonder if that isn't maybe true and that's why um, when you you experience depression in this time of perimenopause there might be some anger underneath it all. And I'm always reminded of this, uh, the goddess Kali, the Hindu goddess Kali, who is just letting out this rage because rage is also a form of boundary setting, of saying, no, I won't put up with this any longer. So again, it's, um, it's a really powerful time <laughs> in your life. Uh, and since it's connected to the luteal phase, it can also be a very powerful time in your menstrual cycle if you still have a menstrual cycle. And of course, there may be lots of mood swings. And again, from everything I've shared already, I find it very understandable. Like lots of stuff that your body and your whole system is dealing with right now. Then you've got the mental psychological aspects that I will be addressing in a moment that are coming on top of that. And maybe this suppressed emotions and all of that. It's to me no wonder that mood swings can appear easily. 
And then the uh, just mentioned mental and psychological layer, there are, of course, also a lot of stressors that can beliefs, societal beliefs around menopause and perimenopause or beliefs that run in your family. Like look at how your family treated elder women, what they talked, like how they talked about perimenopause, if it was um, seen as this horrible time of suffering or maybe not that much like these beliefs shape the way you perceive your own transition and then it's also about what we make of a situation do we make things mean something about us so when something happens for example you are having mood swings and you're um, angry and shouting at your kids Do you make it mean something about you that you're maybe a quote-unquote bad mother for shouting at your kids? Or can you be compassionate and say, hey, I'm just a human being and as a human being, I can have mood swings. We all do. And then also there are usually a lot of beliefs around aging. Again, lots coming from the society and how women and older people are portrayed there. Or it can also be this sense of being confronted with your own mortality. For example, many lose their parents in this transition time, which makes you next in line. And that's really a harsh confrontation with your own mortality. And then, of course, the world we live in promotes this very hectic lifestyle. There's social media, we have to be always on, there is... Um, a promotion of fastness, faster, better, higher, more, not enough, you're never enough, How, however much you strain to be a better person, you will never be enough, there is a hustle culture, there is scarcity, everything is limited, and again, maybe also being afraid of possible symptoms appearing, and all of that on a mental psychological layer is, of course, contributing to stress, to being in a state of alertness, in a state of fight or flight. And lastly, on an energetic or spiritual level, there is a big rearrangement process happening inside of you. Like, This um, finding your role in the world now, your new role, because so far you may have been a career woman or uh, there for your family uh, or in partnership. And what's your role in the world from now on? What's the contribution you want to make that can often lead to shifts in career? It can also lead to rearrangements in your partnership if you're in partnership because your partnership needs to hold this transition and to hold the new version it, that you're becoming and sometimes we we find that the partnership we had isn't able to hold this and that's that's when a lot of couples separate and so all of these stressors on all of these levels keep your adrenals busy producing stress hormones And taking away the progesterone that is usually coming, which overall can increase anxiety and can stress even more. And when you are stressed, you have less capacity to be with what's happening. You get tunnel vision. That's the, the goal of fight or flight is tunnel vision. The main goal is survival in that moment. And that can lead you to feel under-resourced. And that's where all the trouble starts or where all the trouble stems from so what can you do now 
basically getting out of this state of sympathetic activation, nervous system activation, getting out of this hyperactive state of fight or flight and into a parasympathetic nervous system state, a state of rest, relax, digest. And that requires looking at all these different levels I've mentioned, the physical, the emotional, the mental and the energetic, spiritual and to become aware of the personal stressors that are unique to you and to find ways to reduce them where possible. On a physical level, that can be reducing toxins from your environment, um, being mindful of where you buy your things from. Are there they um, fair trade, organic, for example, food that you put into your body so you reduce the amount of toxins going into your body? Then it can be becoming aware of your thought processes, like looking at the beliefs you have around aging, around older women, around menopause. And then it's, of course, also learning how to release and process your emotions. And there are lots of different ways, for example, tapping. Uh, many people find tapping helpful, um, EFT, emotional freedom technique, or journaling to really get it out of your system. And then, of course, get support, get a community, find other like-minded people who are going through the same thing as you are, or may maybe not, but they are very understanding and compassionate towards you and your situation. And, and then last but not least, there is often a time, that's why I mentioned the energetic spiritual level, it's a time where we reconnect to something that's bigger than us. So that you don't feel so alone. Some people call it the divine. It can be God, it can be goddess, it can be source, it can be the universe, it can be nature. But something, and especially nature, is very calming and soothing to the nervous system. So that's always a good idea to connect to nature. But learning and building this trust that, okay, you've got this and there is something bigger holding you. And of course, a community is wonderful because then you've got this physical representation of something holding you. Because the thing is this, even when you experience symptoms, and I do believe all of us have to, or all of us experience some kind and some amount of symptoms in the perimenopause transition. But if you're not beating yourself up, if you're compassionate with yourself and you cut yourself some slack, if you feel well-rested and nourished and emotionally well-equipped to deal with it all, then you will not experience these symptoms as suffering from them, but they are part of the experience and you feel like, okay, you can, you can manage, you're capable of managing the situation and holding yourself through it. And if you want a few ideas on what you can do and a few practices and tools, then again, sign up to the summit. It's called Happy, Healthy, Holy, and that is wholesome and holy in the sense of spiritual holy menopause. And it's called that for a reason. And it's a slow summit experience because it's created with your nervous system in mind. Uh, it's not overwhelming and it's a lot of experiential practices. And it's addressing all of these four levels that I've talked about. For example, we've got a beautiful twin couple talking about menopausal skincare, natural menopausal skincare. So you reduce the amount of toxins coming into your body through your skin. Then we address the beliefs that can come up and how you can reframe certain beliefs. Then also how you can take care of the emotions that may rise to the surface or how to improve your quality of sleep and rest. 
but also what an important rite of passage menopause is in the life of a woman or a menstruating person. And last but not least, you will feel less alone because we are in a community there in the summit. There will be watch parties uh, where we listen to and, and watch the conversations together. And so you will be beautifully held. And also, you know, I'm a coach for life transitions and crises. I call myself a soul midwife because I'm, I see my role as midwifing you through the experience like someone giving birth. You're basically giving birth to a new version of yourself and your life. And I believe in you and your strength and your power every step of the way. And I can uh, support you in finding your ways of moving with it and moving through it. And through my training, I can, of course, support you if you experience health challenges, because I'm a trained women's health specialist. And we can look at symptoms that come up and basically what to do in a holistic way. So addressing all four layers. But also, if you just want some emotional support to learn how to navigate it all, I'm happy to walk with you through this experience. Because I'm really here for the dark and the taboo, you know. The deep topics, that's my gem. I've gone through a fair amount of shit in my own life and I tell you, I'm not easily faced by what people reveal to me. So if you think that your situation is really hard to hold and you don't want to bother anyone with it, try me. Let's hold it together. And also if you think that your stuff is minuscule compared to what other people go through, well... If it's troubling you, it's troubling you, an important period. There is no comparison in who has the worst shit going on and you are absolutely allowed to get all the support you want at any stage, whether that's by me or by a friend or a therapist or a body worker. And it doesn't mean anything about you and your capability uh, to hold yourself or not because, you know, sometimes we need other people to reflect our own light back to us. And I need people in my life as well. That's why I say community is so important. And actually, I consider my job done well when at the end you say, Lisa, you know, I don't need you anymore. I feel so nourished and well-equipped. And I know that when the next crisis hits, I know which practice to reach for to support myself. That's when I've done my job right. I've had a client say that to me recently. Um, and I was like, well, amazing, because that's really the biggest testament that the work has worked. <laughs> we had done a set of only four sessions and she had processed a lot and she felt complete. For now anyway, you know, life happens and we move through these things in cycles. And if there is more and she wants my support again, she knows where to find me. But for now, she feels good. And <laughs> that's what I want for you too. So sign up for the summit. Or if you want to go deeper and get personalized support, then book a call or send me a mail if you're not ready to meet face-to-face. -face. And uh, last but not least, let me know via emails, through social media and comments, what are you taking away from this episode today? It was really juicy and we covered a lot. Was there anything that stuck with you in particular? Or do you maybe have a question about anything I said? I'm looking much forward to receiving your message and for now I wish you a beautiful day and speak to you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Now before you go, if you enjoyed this episode, please share the love by leaving a raving review and forwarding the episode to a friend who really needs to hear this today. 
You can learn more about me and my work over on my website or in my weekly e-letters, Moonday Musings, that I send each Moonday, Monday morning, to start off the week more connected to yourself and fully present in your glorious body. And if there's a question or topic you want me to explore further, send me a mail and let me know. Now have a lovely weekend and speak soon.